This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. This Imperium Life 3. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Um, I forget how professional these are supposed to be. I don't remember if this Imperium Life start with like, like a nice a nice intro or kind of like is this a formal presentation? Um, yeah, I don't know what we're supposed to. It's been like six months since we've done a this Imperium Life. Well, I think I, it starts the curtains. Right, like, we draw the right, curtains. We draw the oh, curtains. Oh no, 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 there's there's house music that's just playing. Right, the, the, the orchestra yeah. in the pit. They're tuning. Uh, right, right, and uh, and you know, and then there's it's like a good host voice of somebody being like, you know, now presenting, Ben Hansen with this Imperium Live. Welcome to the stage, His Excellency. Like that? No, no, oh, that was that was, not, that was not. I did not care for that. <laughs> I did not care for that at all. Let me that try another a, one then. Okay, yeah, actually, another let's, another let's, announcer. Let's, yeah, actually, how many announcers you got in there? Let's see. <laughs> Segment one. How many announcers does Matt have in him? Let's see. Hey, look around five and this week on this Imperium Live. You got Hunter Donaldson. Matt, I'm going to tell you a few stories about Twilight Imperium. Okay. Why don't y'all listen in close? Okay, I get it. I get it. You get Auction, where that one's going? Auctioneer. Yeah. Auctioneer. Kind of going, it, kinda going in that direction. How, what else we got? <clears throat> Let's open your brain. Let's pick around. Attention, attention, everyone. Please settle down. I'd like you all to take a seat. Uh, that, that's quite enough now. This evening, we have a most excellent and professional program for you. To, we are presenting Matthew Martins and Hunter Donaldson. And with them, they bring the stories of Twilight and Imperium. This okay. Imperium Life. Oh, sorry. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you guys could see what he did with his lips there. <laughs> um, all right. Any more? Got another I'm one? I'm done. No. Do you have one? I want to hear yeah, one Yeah, I got one. Okay. Here we go. Is that good? I love it. Let's, let's kick off the show. Show's gotten stupid. (laughs) I held Mechatol Rex with a meager fleet, spending most of my resources on filling it with an impressive stack of 15 plus infantry rather than ships. Everyone around me had these massive fleets, but lacked the invasion capability to effectively remove me. So I was mostly left alone. I naturally had the most votes with twice as many votes as half the table. Considerable, but not enough to dictate things if everyone turned against me, and that they would. It was nearing the end of the game and the upcoming agenda phase was likely going to be the last one. I held on to Imperial thanks to the action card political stability, so everyone was in league to take me down. The first agenda drawn was representative government. This is where planets cannot be exhausted for votes, but instead each player receives one vote. 
Outwardly, I vainly opposed the law, and the rest of the table celebrated that they finally put an end to my political tyranny, as well as ensured a safe vote for the next agenda. They played right into my hands. The second agenda was compensated disarmament. Elected planet loses all infantry, and the owner gains one trade good for every infantry lost. The table deliberated and deals were made, but they all agreed not to vote for Mechatol Rex because of how many trade goods I would get. When it came to my turn to vote, I threw down the action card Distinguished Counselor, increase your vote total by five when you cast your votes. And they watched in horror when they couldn't do anything as my massive infantry stack made me disgustingly rich. The next round, I had enough to spend 16 influence and 16 resources for two victory points each, scored an easy secret objective I was holding onto, and got the point for holding Mechatol Rex. I jumped six victory points that round and won. Who that from? Who that from? That's from Icarus. Uh, you're here listening to This Imperium Life. For those of you new to this type of show, new, new to this show, uh, today is not going to be a normal strategy episode or anything like that. We are just giving you the business. We're giving you the stories that you all submitted to us. These are like some of the coolest moments in games of Twilight Imperium, and we just love sharing them because... That's a big part of this game, is just hearing the stories of the, the wild things that happen, because at the end of the day, the strategy's all random, and nothing, none of it matters, right? There is no strategy right. in Twilight Imperium. Yeah, the game's made up, and the points don't matter, <laughs> babe. Um, I want to put a quick thank you out there to everyone that submitted yes. stories, regardless of whether we use them or not. We had the largest bank of stories oh, yeah. thus far, I mean, it, and it's I think it's going to help six-month break, but, right, but right. we are, the ones we got, I am... A huge fan of, and this one is is on that list because holy cow, I love representative government. Yeah, and this is like such a good example <laughs> of, of why that is, is like so the much best fun. Agenda. Yeah, it's so much fun. I almost want sometimes to play just with that in effect from the right. onset. Right, of right, just being like we're gonna try that government even plays except for when huge swings happen and just like a six victory point swing is always, like, the coolest thing in the world to yeah. see. I mean, yeah, I, I like this story because this is sort of the quintessential This Imperium Life story. This right. is sort of, I, I treat this as the tried and true, you know? Mm -hmm. This is the setup of the game. This is the crazy thing that happened. Here's the, like, holy cow, that's crazy six-point swing. Boom. Done. Tasty little nugget. Right. It's the extended tasty little nugget. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the extended like play of the week into this is how I won the whole game yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Really, uh, really good play. Uh, distinguished counselor. Uh, you know, it's got that. It's got that power. It's got that power. There's a there's a story we're not going to do this week, but I want to I want to bring we got it up. Two, yeah, we two got two. Yeah. We got two. We got two uh ones, but it's worth bringing this one up of there was another one where Distinguished Counselor was played, but then a Jolnar played bribery and had a gajillion trade goods because, you know, Jolnar is a broken race, etc., etc. Yeah, we all And they won the game because there was representative government in play, and then two action cards came out to, like, totally bust up everyone's votes. And just, like, it's just so fascinating to see. That made me think, too. I, I said this off camera, off mic to Hunter. I can't wait for the day when... Everyone did such a good job that we're all at nine points. Oh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> we're all at nine points going into the agenda phase. And then X, 
victory point agenda comes up and we literally all just have to now decide how this happens like there's the honorable route of right. okay whoever has the most influence should win because they put the most well, votes but if towards it's representative themselves government that won't be but the if case. it's representative government it won't be the case and so then you're forced into a situation of we we literally have to king make someone there is no there's no other way out of it right so how do we <laughs> just i can't wait for that conversation to it have, is to the happen. perfect like king you've built now the perfect king making right. hypothetical not right. to get back into king making no, but it's been no. a while we haven't talked about it in a minute uh but yeah it is a perfect situation of like you just have to decide yeah. who's gonna win right. there is no like <laughs> because you all i mean you can all vote for yourselves and then the speaker wins right so there what, what there's nothing else do? you got nothing else i mean it's a ridiculous situation but i mean has it happened out there please let us know oh man like if it has if I mean, it's a crazy if it's amount. happened surely we would have gotten a story about it by now i think it's pretty rare for for that many people but even if it's like four players that are at nine or even three players are at nine yeah. and that comes out and like i don't know the two other people don't have enough like usually the vp ones come out and it's just like okay let's give it to the person with the least right but I want a situation where it's like, no, 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 this vote is literally going to decide the game and it could go in many different directions. Yeah. 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 Honestly, it would be cool to put uh, just a general call out for if you have a story about a time that kingmaking was forced upon the entire table and they had no choice. Yeah. We get submissions like that sometimes. We curiously didn't get too many this time yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I am curious of of these moments where kingmaking is just kind a of, thing. Right. And there's no way, there's no way around it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to hear about those. Yeah, definitely. This story is about the folly of the Nalu player to not be able to count on round five and their hopeful swing from five victory points to 10. Nalu had managed to take Imperial that turn, took Mechatol Rex from me, had everything set up, and was ready for their ability to pull the five point round. They had flipped Mechatol and scored three unit upgrades to get them to eight points. They obviously also had two unit upgrades, which they were going to score in the status phase. They also had, at that point, three Dreadnoughts. Three Dreadnoughts, four resources, three trade goods, and no Sarween tools. I think you see where this is going. Trade had already been played, and no one, not even their close friend, the Ghost of Creus, had the ability to trade with them. I looked at the Nalu player and asked if they had made a mistake, because I counted only seven resources and no ability to score the five dread secret objective, if that is the objective they in fact had. Oh, that's stupid. I had managed to get nine points and secure the speaker token. Nalu goes to nine as well. The rest of the board is far behind, but fighting for third. We play out the rest of the status phase and get to returning our cards. Knowing I have the game in the bag, the Creus player goes, no, none of you return your cards. I play political stability. Clearly, he thought he'd be giving Nalu the win until I tell him to read the card. Oh, that's stupid. We go through agenda. Nothing of note happens. And I take Imperial in round six. Nalu tells me that I guessed correctly and that he was hoping to play a Warfare Rider to get his fifth Dreadnought. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> this one was given to us by the Cartographer of Chaos in Mac We Trust. And oh, it's stupid. This that is one so is stupid. stupid. So stupid. Uh, in Mac We Trust. Played with some stupid people. <laughs> and then now that he has this story 
of people just making mistakes. It's honestly as a it's such an interesting win because it's literally just someone being like, well, um, I played a good game and then everyone made mistakes and I won. Like, I, it's, it, <laughs> right. it's an interesting story because I feel like in the end of the day, that win probably didn't taste too great. Right. I mean, at that point, it's like, man, I'm, yeah. what have I been doing with this I want to walk you through all of those moments. Right. Okay, they were, one, they were one resource short of getting the fifth Dreadnought, so they couldn't win that way. So they had this action card. Oh, I'm going to do the Dreadnought. Well, okay, the Dreadnought thing, you, you won't get the Warfare Rider until after the status phase, the score. Also, you, you can't guarantee you're going to get a Dreadnought out of the Warfare Rider, so best not to, like, hinch your whole plan to that buggy. Uh, and then, of course, there's the, there's the our Connor moment, his political stability moment of thinking, this is what they thought. I don't know if it was clear in the story, but the person playing political stability thought that every single person would, would keep their cards and since nalu had imperial they were effectively trying to give nalu the win right but no political stability only lets you keep your card so it didn't, didn't have any effect on anything so yeah like three misplays in a row led to oh i guess i guess in mac we trust just just wins then pretty right kind of just automatically right. wins. yeah i mean do you feel like you've ever played a game with this like, <laughs> like with this level yeah. of like oh and then so and so messed up and what do you think is even the like as far as games you've played that you can remember like the biggest i guess it's the connor thing that still just casts such a long shadow on our lives i played a sardak nor game recently though that um i myself it it wasn't that everyone else messed up and just oh yeah you were telling me this i was just so mad at at my play in this sardak game where like four rounds in a row just like oh Forgot to do that one thing, and that's going to cost me. Do you a remember any round. of it? Like I what? don't. I wish I did. I should. I mean, it, it's stupid to bring it up without having the specifics. But it, it yeah, was, you're right. It, it is stupid. <laughs> that's <laughs> st- hey hey. That's stupid. <laughs> but it it was equivalent to like, well, this round I accidentally. You know when like someone pops tech, and you're like, mm, I could get a tech. Yeah, and then and, and then, then you're like, like, wait, I needed those four resources yes, exactly. to score the VP. Yeah, like, yeah. it was those kinds of mistakes just kept had it happening to me. And I was Sardak Nor, so it's like, I don't have wiggle room to be, I'm supposed to be at the top of my game. This is supposed to be my, like, everything is on point, I'm Sardak, keep a, keep a tight, tight, you know, game running, yeah, and I yeah. just wasn't at all. You know, I'm not even on in Mac We Trust side anymore, I realize, <laughs> because you know what, this game is hard, and it's so easy to forget little things like that, and yeah, so what, I've, like, I've gotten to a point now where that doesn't happen to me so much, but I can remember, I remember yeah. being, like, Every round, I'd be like, no, no. Because it just, what happens is you, the status phase happens. You make your plan for how you're going to get that VP. You see it and you can pretty much, mm-hmm. most of the time you can make, your, you can see the route or right. whatever. Right. And then you just start playing Twilight Imperium <laughs> and somebody flips tech and you're just like, oh, it'd be cool to get a tech. I, I like, love that. You're just, you're just enjoying the game right. and how dare you do well, that. Well, in the days of TI3 too, there was the production card. So nowadays you have the secondary of warfare and that's the only time like people build freely in their home system. Right. But in TI3, we had production where just like you play production oh man everybody's he's building you're building she's building everyone's building and like people would make mistakes when production would get played because the timing of it would just be like wait i got a lot of money i can afford four dreadnoughts i'm Mm -hmm. doing it Mm -hmm. and then whoops i really should have saved a lot of that money for so many other things the worst offender though for me is command counters i'll just like oh, I can get two action cards off a secondary of political. And then I look back over and I go, wait, 
I don't have a secondary for tech now. And I right. had to have tech to be able right. to get the whatever. And right. just like command counters are like my nightmare. They really are. I've noticed that lately. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I said that last episode, but like, yeah. Command- the games where I get my command counter game on point, where I'm like actually always mm-hmm. having enough, I do just fine. But if I'm at all under any sort of, you know, limit on command counters, I really just start pooping my quick, pampers. Quick mini episode. Um, this is going to be a separate podcast within the podcast oh, okay. called How to Beat Matt. How to Beat um, Matt. Try and cut off his command counters. Take my planets that have influence. Right. Don't let him have influence. He loves it. You hear him talk about how much he loves it. Like, you hear him talking about it. Oh, I'm Matt, and I love influence. I think you should just have a high influence. I don't need resources for nothing. I'll just make the plastic up out of nowhere. I'll just play trade, even though I only got two commodities. Here's here's how you beat Hunter. Attack him early, and then he'll throw a hissy fit for the next four hours. Ooh. Ooh. Going straight for salty. You're not good at that roasting thing. I'm not good at roasting. he just went straight I for... Just, he's a, I was just like, he struggles with command counters, and you're like, well, he's a baby in his heart, and <laughs> as a person... The pro- like I was just like oh he's not very good at managing some cardboard and you were like he's just bad he's just like it just doesn't even have to do with the he's game it's just like weasel. who he is even when he's at home that's how you, that you gotta learn how to roast a friend of mine told me the way comedy roasting works is that you make fun of people for stuff they can't change that's how which I guess technically for that rule the command counters thing was below the belt let's move on to the next story <laughs> At the Wellington Tournament, I'm playing Necro. I have nine victory points, but the last victory point is annoyingly elusive. I have done all of the public objectives bar one. Control 11 planets outside of my home system. And it's just not possible. My only secret is four techs of one color. I'm the Necro. Vainly, I look around the table. No one has gone more than two techs down any color. There is the occasional racial tech, but none of them match. There there just aren't four techs of one color on the table combined. I took Imperial last round, but this round I've been blocked from both Imperial and politics. I took technology for the novelty. My home system is well picketed, but the mine net on the far side of the galaxy is making a lot of noise about hitting me. But with some fleets in the way, he can't quite get to me. Suddenly, it hits me. I work out how to win. I activate tech. The mine net gets lightwave deflector and comes barreling into my home system and overwhelms my 13 ground forces flagship and two destroyers, then takes the planet, but he loses two-thirds of his fleet in the process. I only need him to lose a single ship. I acquire lightwave deflector, and after that, my last fleet crushes a lone ghost ground force to acquire slave wormhole generators and gets the fourth blue to win the game. Losing my home system... That's just all part of the plan. That was from Robofish. And it, I'm going to go ahead and award it with the single best strategy submission we've ever gotten. Like, not to say that that's the most impressive thing I've ever heard of someone pulling off. Right. But it was the perfect, the way that it was written. It was thought out. Sometimes it's like, oh, I got the action card. And oh, cool, I can play it. And that's going to lead to this amazing thing happening. And I can do this. This is Robofish actively lost his home system. Right in an effort to win the game. Only, like, you can only do that with, like, a faction like Necro, right? Ne- the Necro is the only one where it's, like, aggression and crazy fights just all feed into my power. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's what... This is a great example of why Necro is a really good faction. 
Also, one thing I want to talk about is the Wellington Tournament. <laughs> the Wellington Twilight Imperium <laughs> Tournament. Welcome to the Wellington Tournament, good chap. <laughs> Sit down with your cardboard and plastic, good chap. Welcome here, to Wellington. Here in Wellington, we'll play a gentleman's game, thank you. <laughs> We'll have no king making soap. <laughs> the idea of someone losing a game of Twilight Imperium and throwing their glove yes. onto the <gasps> the shocks from the crowd. <laughs> a slight murmur. <laughs> <laughs> They're really feeling it here at Wellington Stadium, folks. <laughs> at Wellington Stadium. At Wellington Field. Yeah, Wellington, Wellington Field. Wellington Field and Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Crumpets will be served afterwards. Is Robofish British? Nope. Did we just find that out? Oh, I don't no. know. Sure. I don't know. It probably says it on Board Game Geek. I'm not going to look. Robofish is Robofish British. is a robot. Robo- Excuse you. Oh, sorry. There well, is no national. Robots league. can be from, I think we all know that Daft Punk are robots, but they're from France. France. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I wish they could, you know what I'll say? I don't even know if you want to include this, but I wish they could all be like this. Just this snappy? Just that. Just like, yeah, I don't even feel like we complimented Robofish enough. Yeah. This was like the perfect, the way you, that this, this isn't. Was this isn't to like snub anyone else but this is like robofish just submitted like the the perfectly shaped yeah. play of the week yes sort of thing yes the perfectly was, shaped this imperium it was submission. a big play it was difficult to pull off and we know just enough about the game to know why it was such a great play right. and what robofish had to right, do right, to right, pull right, it right. off and that's i gotta oh. say we get a lot of submissions where it's like people detailing just the entire game for us. Mm -hmm. And those are fun to read because reading about Twilight Imperium is fun, but those are hard to present. And that's why they often don't make uh, make the show because they're just hard submissions to like, we're trying to boil it down to one thing. Sometimes we're able to kind of Frankenstein them a bit and and make something out of it. Actually, the last one in Mac We Trust, we kind of cobbled his story together. His, His was a post that was kind of like the whole game and we tried to pull out the nuggets. But... If there's any advice we can give, if you really want to get your story shown, it's it's try to condense it down into that moment. Give us just enough setup to understand the context and hit us, you know, think of it as a story structure. Just hit us with the, the moment that it really all clicks together and works. Yeah. And this just does that yeah. so well. I'm doing that thing where you put your fingers and uh-huh. you go, mwah, the chef, the chef thing. Mwah, mwah. That's a, bon appetit. That's a tasty, um, what is it? Nugget. Yeah, we're just gonna keep saying nugget. All right, got it. Thought you'd give us something different. No, no. It's a chicken nugget. Good nugget. Good nugget. Oh, this one already? Okay. (laughs) Should we preface this one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the weird. So off of that advice, we have the weirdest submission we've ever received. This one is hard to... This one is so funny to us that we had to read it, but it is also very, very difficult to read, and I'm not 100% sure what all is happening throughout the course of the story. By the end of it, it all kind of makes enough sense, but we just really wanted you guys to ride on this roller coaster with us, because... This one's a journey. Yeah, you're getting this one unfiltered, like pretty much raw as we got it. And here we go. Maybe we'll figure it out together. If you're blue, you are indeed going to die. The 800-year war began, like all wars must begin. It was my birthday, and there had been pizza and ice cream cake ordered. To mock me, the player across the board chose to be the blue color. 
he knew that any given board game that I had an irrational hatred for blue. He believed himself to be safe because of the distance between us. Part of me debated if I should grow up and denounce my... (laughs) And denounce my bloodlust for the weaker of the prime colors. (laughs) But someone mocked me about it. Someone dared me. Someone had set my goal for the game. With keeping in theme, I chose the Necrovirus. I would be a mindless killing machine that would conquer the galaxy. To my left was the Federation of Sol in one of the largest spaces of the five-player map. To my right, in the smallest of the map, was the Universities of Jolnar. He messed me up. Um, My meal ticket. Then there was the Hakan player, and finally, blue, the Mentac. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, the colors are messed up. A blue Mentac. I'm already on, this is a submission by Brayden. I'm already on Brayden's side. Not because I hate blue, but I do hate a blue Mentac. Yeah, that's, oof. I first ate into the Federation of Soul. They let me take up some space as their entire mission was to hold Mechatol Rex. But time passed and I began a symbiotic relationship with spicy sweet chili Doritos. I took a large section of their pie slice. Bite by bite. I ate carrier or cruiser for my technology needs. I never took his planets. He was left in a peaceful existence under the looming girth of my fleets. I protected him from from Hakan, kept him safe from the wormhole in his system, and we shared in his knowledge. Most of my game was at war with the rich Hakan and the leader of the game, the Federation of Soul. I had the largest force, albeit a small number of planets, given I had left them for Pop-Tarts to hold on to. If I was going to destroy Blue, I was going to need some help, so I allied myself with Blue. He was wise to be suspicious of me. I had to trade him a ceasefire, my racial agreement, and a support for the throne. Only then was our friendship cemented. We spent the rest of the game pushing towards either slide. To to hide my true intentions the entire time, I had to choke down talking up trade between players to fill the Mentak's thirst for trade. Soon he saw me as best friends. As the end of the game approached, I had to take Mechatol Rex from Federation of Soul. I wasn't doing so well now that McNuggets had grown a backbone and and rose from underneath the safety of my shade. Things were never better between Blue and I, however. He politely shored up a fleet next to Mechatol Rex. He needed to get caught up in the VP element of the game and allowed me one more turn under its control before he needed me to leave. I looked Mentak dead in the eye and lied to him. Sure, I said. I knew my time had come to stab him in the back. I had the speaker token, and without blinking, I took Imperial. He was outraged, to say the least. He took warfare, and it was clear that my betrayal would not go unpunished. He convinced the entire board that I would win, and soon everyone was out to get me. He attacked Mechatol Rex, and I survived. What was my first move? Was it to push into Federation of Soul to score a secret objective? Was it to put down extra crispy fried chicken? (laughs) Was it to bring the war to Hakan, who was mimicking my relationship with grilled cheese, by moving across his planets peacefully? No, it was to move off of Mechatol Rex, like I had agreed to do, letting Mentak take it back with warfare. I hadn't been able... I hadn't been unable to destroy Blue, but I was able to give him the setup for the win, 
only to take it from him, which was arguably much better. He had given up a point to take the planet by attacking me, and Imperial had been taken from him. I had stolen his win and also set him into second place, leaving me with two points to win. The next round was brutal. Out of spite, I had given up the chance to score on Imperial and really needed a way to get two more victory points to win. I was hunted down like a wild animal from all corners of the galaxy. By the time it was my last turn of the game, I was down to two systems left. If I didn't win, I would be crushed by the Hakan player. I had been able to draw a secret objective, which would get me the win. I sent a Dreadnought, one of my last ships, off to the Federation of Soul to bombard. I rolled, I killed his ground force, and I won the game. But that didn't matter. What mattered is that Blue had died on the inside, if nothing else. And we received that submission on paper written in crayon. (laughs) We found it strapped to a a dog delivered that to us. (laughs) This big English bulldog. With with a monocle and walked a, up to and, us. And a piece of notebook paper strapped to its back, written in crayon. There's so much going on in that story that I do not really understand. Um, Extra it, crispy fried chicken. It's weird because I, I, I assume that what Braden was doing was he, instead of giving us the names of the people that he was playing right. with, Braden gave us their names as, as food. food. Um, and what's weird too is... I mean, obviously, the whole premise of the story is very strange that Braden has this, like, Vendetta against hate the color blue. Against the color blue. And anyone that will play blue, especially because there are only six colors available in Twilight <laughs> Imperium. So if you are playing with six, it's not like they had like they, they had to. Choice, right? Like, somebody Someone. had to do it. <laughs> somebody had to play blue. I assume Braden never plays blue, which means someone had to... Like, in the, the way that in it's framed in the story... <laughs> It's like the person was like, well, I could pick blue or another color, but Brayden will be so mad at me if I pick blue. <laughs> they were playing Mentac too. They probably didn't even want blue. Right. They probably, it all the other colors, what? I don't want to play blue Mentac. Left. And it was like, well, that's what we're doing. Soul yeah. didn't pick blue, so <laughs> I guess a, you've got it. There's a, there's a line graph uh, in, in Twilight Imperium, and there's playing purely strategically on one end, and there's playing very role play on the other end. And this isn't, this isn't either. on the graph. This doesn't exist on the graph. <laughs> this is a meta way of playing the game where you've created something outside of the bounds of the game. What's so crazy about it too is Brayden has this like out of nowhere just hatred of the color blue, which I don't even like, let's not even go there. But Brayden is also good enough at Twilight Imperium won to anyway. That's, that's what I wanted to point out. Yeah, is, is like your goal for this game was only to stop blue, and you spent one round foregoing any of your own exploits to stop blue, and it still wound up winning you the game. Brayden hates based on color, and his friends are food. <laughs> <laughs> This game is nonsense. But wait, but it isn't even. It's not even enough nonsense. That's the thing that's crazy about reading it, is that quite a lot of it is basically a regular Twilight Imperium, yeah. this this Imperium life. Right. Like, I just... Brayden, what's up? Hit thank us you up. For, thank you for that journey, Brayden. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. But also, uh, hit, hit us up. What's I You want, should call your doctor, too. I don't know. <laughs> I want to play... No, I don't want to turn... This is not... That, I just want to know what's, what's, what's your angle. <laughs> you know? I'm curious. 
<laughs> are you are you playing every are you looking for board games that feature the color blue in order to specifically play them to exercise your war on blue? Is there some sort of meta is there a chart that that chronicles every victory that you've had in every board game against the blue. color blue? The blue chart. Upon hearing the proposed title of the chapter, telling of his experience in the Twilight Wars, the first words out of the mouth of Lieutenant Colonel Antonio Lee von Schampf, retired, were, I'm not the hero, just a lucky patriot. Lieutenant Colonel von Schampf, or Ali, as he prefers to be called, was the leader of the sole surviving company of the 3rd Jordian Guards Regiment stationed on Mechatol Rex at the time the planet was besieged in a desperate attempt by the Letnev Sardak Nor Alliance to seize power and engulf the galaxy in despotism. The famed regiment prided itself on accepting only exceptional recruits descended from documented Jordian stock, the proud homeworld of the galaxy's vast human diaspora. Ali's family had arrived only two generations ago when his grandfather arrived on Mechatol Rex as part of the Galactic Stabilization Force sent from George to promote stability and reopen dialogue between the races. The records showed that, only a week before, Fleet HQs had ordered a, the carrier, its fighters, and three companies of the regiment out of Mechatol Rex to take Dalbutha on the other side of the asteroid field, leaving five companies behind. Ali recalled the events of that day, his gaze growing ever more distant, as the recounting continued. Of course I was nervous, I mean. We've all trained for it over and over. We were elite spec ops. We were the best. But whose sphincter doesn't malfunction a little when the real activation alarm goes off? It was the barony, mean and red, and deep space radar had picked up a dreadnought. We did as we trained and took cover in the bunkers, but during the bombardment, one of them collapsed on a whole company and they were gone, just like that. He snapped his fingers in the air and continued. We knew the most logical place for them to land. We were ready for them. Five companies worth of red drop ships. They tried to break through four times. On the third time, the company on our left flank charged out and mowed down two of their retreating companies before being gunned down themselves. My boss, former boss, I guess, Captain Singh had caught a bullet during the second charge and now it's just me and my boys between their last company and the civilians of Mechatol Rex. Ali's first sergeant remembered what happened next. The lieutenant clicked on his radio and he calmly said, Reload and stay ready, boys. We're it. They've got us as many as we have, but we're elite troopers. We're not going to let the Federation and our fallen comrades down, and we're not going to let these people behind us down. Not while we draw breath. When they came, I, I could see them running up and down the line, firing and keeping the men fighting. And then the shooting stopped. We could see the Letnev fleet in orbit, but the shooting was over. Being who he is, the lieutenant kept us on alert until the Federation snuck in and orbital dropped two more companies. Then more and more over the next few weeks until we had been reinforced by eight fresh elite commando companies. But if I may be so bold, they were no Jordian guards. Before the activation alarm ever went off again, the politicians had earned the Clan Asar's support for the throne, and with Imperial authority in hand, the Twilight Wars drew to a close. Ali recounts when he heard the news. I was watching the Letnev fleet through the Bombardment Bunker's telescope as they passed over my makeshift field HQ. Sure, you could see the dreadnought with your naked eye, but I was looking for signs of troop pod activities or fresh carrier Gods forbid indications they were forming up to receive the Letnev flagship. Then, 
The news came over the radio. The Galactic Council has bowed to the will of the Federation of Soul and recognizes its Imperial right over the galaxy. Turns out the guys on Jord had repulsed a small Sardak Nor invasion around the same time we were fighting ours. Clanisar knew they couldn't trust anyone but us and helped us end the war. He looked up with a smile and shrugged. I guess it pays to make friends. I don't know if it's the script or if it's the way that you read it, but you made them the Terran from Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole time I was sitting here just being like, Sweet Rover! Sweet. <laughs> That's a Zerglin, Lester. Smaller type of Zerg. <laughs> well, we always got to listen to this. So. Yeah. Delighted to, sir! Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, stop it! <laughs> What is that? Grab me by the ghoulies. Oh my gosh. Uh, this was amazing. Um, Need a light. <laughs> you, you you get a semblance of the story in there, but that's not what's important. You got the real story. That was given to us. That was gifted to us by Kelvin. Uh, and Kelvin, thank you for your beautifully written catalog of the, the final siege on Mechatol Rex. Um, that was an epic story of survival. Um, this one, this is an important note. This one was sent to us with an accompanying picture. And sometimes when we get really, really long stories, we kind of go, oh man, okay. Or th this one might take us a bit to try to figure out. It's really hard to do long stories in this Imperium mm -hmm. life. We get a little hesitant, but it came with one picture. And on that one picture was in the center, Mechatol Rex with like two red cruisers, three red fighters, a red dreadnought, a red carrier, and a single blue ground force on Mechatol Rex. And we went, well, all right, we're doing this story. Completely yeah. sold it, no, yeah. It doesn't matter had, what it says. We hadn't even read any of it yet, and it was just like, that image sells it. Yeah, and that even is just like another thing of like, when you see some, when you see a very irregular board state. Right. Or one that, like, because we knew blue was sold. Yeah. So like, it was like, oh, that's, we so, know what that's so cheeky. Yeah, yeah we, know, we know the story here. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great picture. I honestly, uh, Kelvin, it, it goes to show that if you can like, if you can just take any board state and just kind of write a story yeah, out of where the board is at that time, uh, it's like really fun. Like honestly, yeah. and I remember when way before we even started the podcast, there was a point where you tried to do exactly what Kelvin thing. just nailed. Right. Like, oh yeah, of of just like trying to take it and make it all into a story. Long story. Um, and honestly. What Kelvin nails is uh, you gotta have at least a character. There's gotta be somebody, mm -hmm. you know. There's there has to be yeah. Some where where, level where of I think I failed, and where I think um, I've, we've gotten a few other submissions that are in this same sort of narrative vein. But I think what is really hard to nail that Kelvin does flawlessly. But what's really hard to nail is trying to translate like game components and trying to translate moments into narrative language. When it's like, well, I also still want to convey what happened in the game. I say, if you're submitting us a story, don't worry about it. Just make the story good. Yeah. Just make, just make it. We'll figure out what the nugget is, and we'll know what the. We'll we'll get the story. But just if you tell it real good, right, right, uh, it's worth it. It reminded me actually the way it was written. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is it reminded me of when I, I don't read books like this anymore, but when I was younger, I would read, you know, I would like like a video game and then there would be some sort of novelization of the video game. Right. And he does a really good job of doing that thing that good writers try and do with video games where it's like, all right, well, this sure this works in the game. How do I make this sound make like any sense? Right. And right. how and like the idea of writing it from a perspective of like, well, actually that it has perspective at right. all. That's right. really what it is, is <laughs> yeah. if you're trying to write a good 
uh, Twilight Imperium story, I feel like zooming in makes it a lot more interesting than trying to tell us yep. the story of the entire board state. Right, right, right. Like, he, like, literally, Kelvin was just like, I'm just that guy. What do I know? Well, and that's basically. that's what's so great about the situation, too, is, like, the story is I got one ground force left on Mechatorex after all this crazy stuff. Right. And Kelvin decided to go... Well, who's that one? Right. Who is that one ground force? And we all do that, right? We've all right. Like, named our ships and said, "This is this is this ship," and they do this. This is Betty, and right. Betty's really awesome. Like, actually taking that and running with it is what makes this story so so good. So, Kelvin, just thank you so much. Well, uh, one if last it, thing: if it's no if it's no uh, surprise to anyone, I just really like reading those kinds of yeah, stories. Yeah. I get I, I get it's, really into it. It's fun. Um, I this actually this whole story reminds me of. I don't know if anybody else has had this experience. It's kind of idiosyncratic, but like if I'm playing Risk mm-hmm. um, and I have that one last dude that wins a fight, I guess this happens in Twilight Imperium too, okay. but like because you deal with less dudes, it's like yeah. different. In Risk, it's like you'll go through so many, you, an army will go from like 30 to, to like nothing. one. Right. But if it does go from 30 to one and that last guy saves it for me, he always gets a name. Mm-hmm. Always. Yep. Yeah, that's that's Kevin. He's you know he's tough. He's crazy. He's got Kevin. crazy eyes. He's been through a lot. <laughs> the players important to this story are Sol, Jolnar, Letnev, and myself as Mentak. Letnev and I were neighbors and had worked out an alliance fairly early in the game. Our non-aggression led Letnev to leave certain parts of our border fairly lightly defended. On the other side of the galaxy, Sol had built a sizable fleet, but since he was all the way across the board, I didn't take this very seriously. Our confidence soon faded when we realized what his plan was. He had positioned his fleet on a wormhole. He could jump through the unoccupied wormhole nexus, emerging in Letnev space. His handful of action cards and the smug look on his face guaranteeing a flank speed that he would no doubt use to reach the lightly defended Letnev home system. My ally was shaken. Would his meager defenses be enough to withstand the attack? As Letnev, he could afford to build a fleet in his home system, but the timing was off. Sol could invade before he would get this chance. Secure in his imagined victory, Sol greedily anticipated plundering the riches of the Letnev, completely forgetting about me. The Mentak Coalition may be pirates, but we certainly do not abandon an ally. My turn came up right before Souls. Looking him directly in the eye with an innocent expression on my face, I played an action card for my turn. Ghost Ship, allowing me to place a single destroyer in an empty system containing a wormhole. A system like the Wormhole Nexus. Soul laughed as I demurely placed my lone destroyer onto the board, but his laughter came to an abrupt end when he saw what my action meant. My destroyer would force his fleet to stop in the Nexus, delaying it for a round. This would give the Letnev the time they needed to reinforce their defenses. Sol stared aghast at my ship, realizing that he had been outwitted. Sol abandoned his plan altogether, turning his fleet in the other direction and picking a fight elsewhere in the galaxy, leaving the ghost ship standing vigil, in the wormhole nexus. Now this was certainly an interesting play, but this is not the end of the ghost ship story. Jolnar had been doing what fishes do best and and gathering tech, eventually leading to fishbowl war suns making their way across the galaxy. By this stage of the game, Letnev 
had a very scary fleet and was hungry for filet fish So a Jolnar Letnev throwdown was fated to occur. The Letnev fleet smashed into the Jolnar in one of the largest space battles I have ever seen. Fighter screens were decimated. Damage was sustained. The blackness of space flared with the explosions of countless ships. After a torrent of dice, the Letnev fleet was completely wiped out. The Jolnar had won but just barely. The single damaged war sun loaded with ground forces was all that was left of the proud aquatic fleet. The outlook for Letnev seemed grim. Next turn, the war sun would repair and make its way into the sparsely defended Letnev home system. Letnev had expended almost everything to try and stop the fish. The galaxy held its breath and waited for the word of Letnev's demise. My turn. A table full of confused eyes regarded me as I calmly laid a Mentak token onto the system containing Jolnar's damaged war sun. The players looked at the table, then back at me in confusion. None of my main fleets could reach the system. Was I mistaken? Had I chosen the wrong system? My intentions became clear as I moved my ghost ship destroyer into the war sun's tile. The wormholes gave me just enough movement to reach it. The table laughed at my gambit. Surely a destroyer was no match for a war sun, even a wounded one. Jolnar smiled and reached for his dice, ready to blast my single ship out of space. Hold on, I said. This is a Mentak destroyer, remember? Jolnar's smug facade cracked just a bit, remembering my pre-combat shot. His confidence soon returned, however. Surely even with the element of surprise on my side, the paltry attack value of my destroyer would not be enough to make a difference. The table held their breath as I rolled my shot. The dice rolled across the table in slow motion, finally coming to rest. The rest of the table gasped when they saw the result. A hit. The ghost ship had done what the entire Letnev fleet could not. Those ragtag pirates had finished off the war sun. I didn't wind up winning that game, but it didn't matter. The ghost ship was victorious. On that day, the ghost ship became an eternal part of my group's meta. Whenever the ghost ship makes an appearance, no matter the race, in my heart, I know it's that same crazy, renegade crew of space pirates returning to make the biggest spectacle they can. Fly on, ghost ship. Fly on. Speaking of attaching stories to like one particular unit, right? man, right. I, I love it when like an entire situation has a storyline that crosses across i mean that's the same thing with our connie storyline every every time that action card comes up now what is that what is right. that what is that action card i forget every uh time confusing legal confusing text. that's right confused every time confusing legal text comes up now the joke just hits again right. and same thing with this yeah now now you have this eternal ghost ship storyline mm -hmm. of any time you know for us ghost ship gets played yeah i put a i put a ship there but now they have the they're back, boys. They're here to here to stake their claim on whatever whatever lies in their wake. Right. I like this story so much and this like whole idea of kind of having this like weird respect for the ghost ship yeah. so much where I kind of want it to be a thing. Like even though this did not happen to right, me. Right. Now like, I have this respect right, for the right. ghost ship. Like next time I play ghost ship. <laughs> it's the I'm, same it's, space yeah, pirates. Yeah, it's, it's your their, space pirates. Right, right. Um, and uh, I d uh, I'm sorry we didn't point this out before we started reading it, but obviously this was a TI3 story. Yes, yeah. And also this was from Terry. This is from Terry. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Uh, yeah, TI3 story, but still still holds true that uh, this. I think the ghost ship now gets a 
gets a tag in my mental the inventory. ghost ship is a special ship yeah. and every time you throw it out now just think about what even that means yeah. what does it's that even important. mean <laughs> right but from like a role play perspective it's like what we just found a ship like yeah it it was always mysterious and right. terry found that i like to th- i don't remember if the card ghost ship came out before the ghosts of Creus did but i like to think that there is a link there mm-hmm. that the destroy the, the destroyer is a ghost ship that was like the first ghost of Creus to come through but no right. one was left on the ship and so you found the ship and there it is and you hop on it right and then four years later the ghost of Creus came through the same wormhole and Whatever, I don't know. I'm no, just, I like that. I, mean, <laughs> I know, I like that. And we, and we got to keep working on our Twilight Imperium our stories, our screenplay yeah. that we're gonna pitch to to. Well, I guess Warner Disney. Brothers. It's probably just gonna be Disney now because it, it looks the like mouse. they're buying up everything. Everything, <laughs> everything is the mouses. Look out, Asthma Day. Everything the light touches. The mouses. <laughs> that, that that this is this joke is actually gonna like age to- horribly if uh, Disney does not actually succeed in buying Fox. Well, they still bought everything else. So yeah, they still own everything. That's true. It's that's fine. true. It's fine. A di- fine. Oh man, a Disney. Imagine if they did Twilight Imperium but cast with Disney like characters. Like what would who would Mickey Mouse <laughs> play? I'm saying like casting couch, Twilight Imperium. Kingdom Hearts 4, Twilight <laughs> Imperium. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole nother level. There's a Twilight but... Imperium planet. <laughs> <laughs> so Donald Duck, where are we putting him? Donald Duck is Donald Duck. obviously the Sardak Nor. Oh yeah, yeah. uh huh. Because of the and, way he talks, and they're all Donald Duck too. It's, <laughs> it's just a bunch, a bunch of Donald, of Donald Ducks. Ducks. Um, all right, Goofy, where are we putting him? Goofy, who's the goofiest? I mean, Sardak. I mean, the Clan of Sar. Yeah, Clan of Sar yeah. is a goofy race. Yeah, right. Arf. <laughs> The clan of <laughs> That's pretty good. Um then where's old Mickey going? Well, Mickey is the Keyblade Master. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a Keyblade Master. He and does backflips. Right, right. Yeah. Oh man, that, he shares that in common with Yoda the, that he can do lots of crazy backflips. Yeah, he is very Yoda. So he's very prequel Yoda. Exactly. Man, this one's been full of a little too. We're getting away too from much ourselves. culture, you know. <laughs> a little too much reference humor, which is not my type of humor. Well, let's let's move on then. Uh, this has been this Imperium life. These were some amazing. Uh, these were our favorites. Uh, there were there were plenty more. If you want to get your stories on the next This Imperium Life, start submitting them now. Please email them to us at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. That is the best place. That's the easiest place for us to flag them and keep track of them and organize them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, send us, send us your best stories. Feel free to editorialize. Feel free to lie about actual outcomes. Yeah, just just make get up. us a good story. <laughs> I don't care. I just want the best moments. Uh, and the, these were what we've been getting for about the past six months, and I really love them. Yeah, I, I consider the stories that we've gathered uh, for this episode to be like the kind of Rosetta Stone yeah. for this Imperium life. Like, these stories all have struck a specific chord and flavor. Uh, that one about the one from Braden, mm-hmm. uh, the blue thing, that's like a whole new chord. It's a whole I new don't chord know. I didn't know I had. How about <laughs> we get more of those? More stuff where... Here's what you need to do. I'm not advocating heavy drinking, but... <laughs> If you're playing, I'm advocating DMT. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, if you happen to play a game where, 
lots of alcohol was consumed, mm-hmm. do not wait until tomorrow to recount to us your story about that game. Right. Please sit down right away and right. type up your story and yeah. send it to us. Send us your like send us your drunk text your drunk- of TIL submission. <laughs> yeah, do it. All right. Um, well, do you want to do some errata? There's not. Re- I I don't know if I can even call this errata. Last well, week's episode doesn't warrant really any errata, but well, we did get a question. Well, but and we're supposed to jump over to it. Okay, we're supposed to so jump over. It. Oh, I'm it. sorry. I need to let Hunter host. There it. hasn't so been a, there hasn't been enough of the music cues in this, this episode. One, so. Right? Yeah. So we, here we go. One Here's more music one. cue. No, in I case got, you I forgot. Got, I got one coming. Sounds. I got one. I, oh, yeah. I'm gonna do it. Okay, I'm just gonna be like. Go. Welcome to Space Cats, Peace Turtles, Errata. Um, I am Hunter Donaldson. This is a podcast within a podcast where we talk about the stuff uh, that we messed up last episode when we were just trying to have a conversation with just the two of us. We about... were just trying to have fun, and turns out we can't even do that. First errata's from my dad. He says I'm a failure. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first one is from FF Days. And they ask this, after analyzing all the factions in depth, would you change the six recommended starting factions, the Extra Kingdom, the Federation of Soul, the Emirates of Akan, the Barony of Letnev, the Sardak Nor, and the Universities of Jolnar? Both the Barony and the Sardak jump out as ones that are not so noob-friendly. So, Hunter, are there, do you agree, I guess, with that first assessment of those two being no good? I think we both agree Sardak Nor. We have talked about this. Sardak Nor is a bad first race to play. Yeah, Sardak Nor is confusing because it's like, it's straightforward, which I like for new players, sure. but it is difficult and the likelihood that you're going to win is low. Or, or even like do very well at all. Yeah. yeah. You're just going to flounder. And right. if it's if it's like your first time just trying the game in general, you may not like Twilight Imper- Imperium after playing Twilight Imperium. Twilight Imperium. That's what we were just talking about. Right. No, uh, you. I think if you play Sardak in your first game, you might like dislike the game because yeah. you're going to have so many things you're trying to fight against that you aren't prepared for. Yeah. So yeah, Sardak is definitely out. Who else do you want to kick out? I don't think necessarily that Barony isn't noob friendly. Yeah. Like, I feel like Barony, uh, I mean, like, there's a layer of complexity, I feel like, once you learn the game. Right. But they have an element of, oh, this is pretty obvious what they do. Yeah. Um, they have fleets, and they get a lot of them. And yeah, yeah fleet pool in particular um, as a mechanic is, I think, something that newer players struggle with a little bit. Right. But it at least calls attention to that whole fleet pool right. thing so that maybe you learn that sooner. Um, I just feel like once I started thinking about all of the factions, I actually didn't feel like Barony was that bad. I get how in the list that they have, Barony maybe sh- like is, is, a, is an iffy, sticks, it's on ice. Right. Yeah. I get that because the others are like, well, that's like that's easier. Except for I do disagree with. I actually don't think that Emirates Hakan is a is a good first race first race for new players. And here's why. I'm going. To, I'm yeah. actually let's just debate this. Yep. Because um, I disagree a little bit. It's only a little bit. There's a meta aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so already we need to understand the economy of everything in order to make true. good deals. Um, the likelihood that if the Hakan player is inexperienced, it will give every other player, not yes. even just the Hakan no. player, a messed up idea of what the game is and how it plays and how trade works right. is super high, in my opinion. It's true. I uh, I kind of like Hakan staying in because it incentivizes exploring trade goods and seeing like the dynamic power of trade yeah and also like i'm not opposed that this is sort of the like teach through experience moment of the first time you see hakan have 13 trade goods round one on their faction sheet 
you learn that you need to think about trade differently. And so for me, I kind of like that as a teaching moment of like, that's going to happen at least once. And then all the players are going to go, huh, we can't let that happen ever again. And then like you already start to develop metas. I agree that it's like, that's playing with fire a little bit and it might distract new players. But I, I think when we were both trying to think through like, what would the perfect six factions be? There's no great answer because at the end of the day, TI is always insanely complex. Right. It's always going to be hard. Yeah. Um, it makes me even think about like, what if, what if you played a game? What if your practice game was without any faction abilities? Everyone was just playing. Like if you did a, if you did a three round practice game and just nobody played as a faction, or you like we come up with a generic just like you have three commodities. Oh, like a training faction. Like a training where faction. It's like we have we make up a little ability for them. Right, but it but like it is really not simple. it is not very variable. It's just like you're going to at least have access to everything and everyone will be on equal footing. The thing is though, like it, when it comes to learning Twilight Imperium, it's really hard to pitch some a new person. Like one of the things that's difficult about it, I feel like, is well, okay, you're going to want to learn how to play this game that you don't even know if you like it yet. Right. And you're going to need to invest some time Lots in it. Time. That's the hard part. Like anytime I tell someone to look at the RTFM video, yep. it's like even though it's at 32 minutes, to us, that's like, wow, they oh, teach wow, they it in did 32 it. minutes. Oh my gosh. To anybody that doesn't already love yep. the game, they're like, wait, I have to watch a, a half hour. I have to watch like a sitcom link. Yeah. Video episode. like I could watch Thirty Rock. Right. This is competing with every episode of Thirty Rock, every episode of The Office, right? You know, and and now I'm going to watch this instead, and also and then play a board game, right? Right, and then play a board game, and then maybe be equipped to play a board game. Yeah, but see, that's why I feel like having Hakan in that first time, like it, because I think you you have to just kind of jump in and get yeah. your hand your feet wet and your hands dirty, and I feel like a, a Twilight Imperium game with Hakan in it is different from every, any, other. every other game. Yep. So why start it on the different foot? Why not get everything kind of figured out yeah. and then introduce a right. con as like a, and then you can play with a con or Mentec right. or these races, these factions that like affect each other a little more. Or like Necro would be a horrible example. Right. Because right. like, then it would be like, anything that is like a um, exception to the rule, you don't really want to throw that at people. Yeah. Um, so we also, I think from, from there on out, we kind of both agree on what we think are good starting factions. I think Xtros stays in. Xtros fine. You learn defensive capabilities. Right. You get to play around with PDS a little bit. They're pretty straightforward at what they're good at. Uh, I and don't know that you're actually good at that. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's like, if you sit a new player down and you're like, Xtra, um, okay, you need to take the construction strategy card, uh, and build PDS. If they do that, if they actually succeed in taking the construction card, it's, they're probably going to do decent. They're going to do okay, yeah. They're not going to do bad. Right. Uh, we also both like keeping soul in. I think we were both afraid of soul, but we couldn't find any better. There's no better option. And so right. it's like, you're going to have a solid game. You're not going to, like, all of the, uh, econ all the economies of the game are there for you. Right. You'll, you'll just, you'll do fine. You'll be totally fine as soul. You have a little more wiggle room when it comes to command counters, right. which is something that people struggle with in yes. general. Um, and then also, like, I feel like a lot of times when I see newer players play Soul, they don't understand that Orbital Drop is good. Right. And but even well, it's if the they same don't, thing, it's the same thing with the extra flagship. I was gonna say. Right. You might have trouble having success if you don't get that extra flagship. But if everyone's on that equal footing, you don't need that leg up as right. as badly, and you'll right. get there. You'll learn it. And if somebody was playing Soul and they were like, "Oh, I don't really care about Orbital Drop," it's not like they would be. Like, Soul has plenty of other advantages yeah, to like keep them good. them afloat. <clears throat> Definitely. Uh, I think we both like Jolnar. Yeah. Hunter, I remember you didn't love it just because, and I've seen other people say this as well, and I to a certain extent agree with it, of 
Jolnar has access to basically all tech, and tech can be pretty overwhelming for new players. Right. It's like basically this booklet of things you need to read and somehow understand very quickly. Right. Um, my argument for Jolnar is, sure, yes, you have to like look through all this tech, but because you're able to just get so much tech... It's not a big deal if you get like a dumb tech along the way, or a tech you're, that you thought was cool but isn't doesn't like, work. Like, like at you least read you're going, Majin and you're like, right. oh, this sounds really cool. Right. At least you're going to play around with a bunch of them. You're going to experience more of the game than lots of other factions. I came around to this after we like we talked about this before we started recording the episode, and then we started like looking through all of the factions. Right. And I, I at first disagreed, but then once we started looking at the alternatives, I was like, no, yeah. no, don't, don't, because that it has the same thing as Soul, where it's like. If they even if they make mistakes, they'll probably be, do all right. right like, exactly, it'll be fine. Um, one of the ones we want to insert into the mix uh, is Asarl, kind of for the same for the same sort of logic of like Asarl's not getting anything bad, and at the very least, you're going to have more action cards, so you're going to see more little mm-hmm. plays that you can pull off, and you're gonna you're going to do pretty well. Like, right. it's, I think Asarl is a very solid faction. It's one I would like to insert into the into the top six or the early six, whatever you want to call it. You'll also, so like, I I hear some of you might be sitting there right now and being like, oh, but they're going to be overwhelmed with like action cards and stuff. The thing about activation timings when it comes to cards is like, even if they mess it up, the table will be like, oh no, that's not right. They're going to learn out together. They're going to learn a lot playing Isarl. Yes. Um, And also it's the same thing as with Jolnar and Soul, where if Isarl accidentally gives away that they have an action card, Mm -hmm. Um, because they they tried to play something when they couldn't, that's not going to be like the biggest issue. Right. Like like they will probably recover from that because they're just going to keep on getting yeah. action cards. Yeah. Uh, and the last one that I think we both like, and if only because they're just simple and straightforward. And I think nothing, it's the worst one. Though. I think it's the like worst, it's pick, the worst but pick. But we we both want to throw L one Z one X in there. Um, I like L1Z1X in there because I think between Barony and L1, I would rather have L1. Me too. Um, I agree with that. But I, I essentially think of L1 as Hunter's replacement for Hakan, which is just to say get something less meta smashy in right, there. Right. Uh, and L, yeah, I mean, L1Z1X is the same situation of like they are good. All of their abilities are good. It makes sense what to do with them. Get Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts are going to help you do lots of things. Right, like right. you're not going to have a horrible game as the L1Z1X in your first game. I also just feel like it's um, a faction that has that perfect level of like, what are they about? Uh, big ships. Oh, cool. Um, is that it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like if you get right. that, then you, you're you pretty much pretty get well. the faction. Um, they Obviously there's more to it than that. Okay, but I, I just mean that when you're explaining a new, to yeah. a new player. Um, and then L1 like does well enough. It's not, you're not as safeguarded as these other ones. Yes. Um, but... You know, when you start looking at everybody else, I, I I couldn't think of a better candidate that like had abilities that were easy to explain, a whole like kind of curve to it that yeah. is easy yeah. to grasp. Yeah, when we started looking at the other options, I mean, it's like Arborek, no. No. I was a little bit okay with Clan Asar. The old mentality of Clan Asar is like, oh man, trying to figure out all that production is going to be maddening. But it's not hard anymore. But it's not hard anymore. And if anything, it make it make you're opened up to like really learn. I think you're going to learn how to produce units very fast as them. Right. But Hunter brought up a good point of, yes, but you also, your game might get thrown out of whack so fast. Like they don't have the stability that a lot of other factions there, are going to have. There's a lot of pressure on Sar early game yeah. to like, if, like to do stuff and i feel like 
I would see newer players make mistakes with Star early game that Maybe. end up costing them the whole yeah. thing, and then they I, don't have fun. I want to see this one in action um, because I think it could be fine. But yeah, there's definitely some room for like, whoops, you threw everything you had at one fleet because you didn't realize like the odds of success there, yeah. and your game is literally completely shot. Right. Right. Um, you know, Necrovirus, no. Arbrek, no. Muat, no way. Winu, absolutely not. Unless no. it's a four-player game. I don't know. Sure, Maybe I guess. Maybe it's fine but then. I, but we're talking yeah. six players. Right. Uh, Ghost of Krius, People always gravitate towards Ghost of Krius. Ghost of Krius are cool, just like in theme and what their abilities are. And, and it's, it's also you kind of grasp it. Yeah, yeah nebulas. You, you learn wormholes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, but, but when you learn what a wormhole is and you see what the Ghost of Krias do with wormholes, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. They're like but Sardak for me, But though. it's a Sardak problem. Yeah. It's a, but what do you do with that? And, right. And new players are not going to be and able to. And is it to... a difficult situation you're pushing them yeah. into? Uh, someone on the Reddit suggested Mentak, and I am afraid of Mentak for the same reasons Hunter is afraid of Hakan. Yeah. I think Mentak destroys the meta in such a crazy way that for new players it will not make for a very enjoyable experience and it will be very confusing and it also just like i don't think the mentac player stands a chance because it's gonna just be too weird of a relationship they're having with everybody else at the board and i don't know i think it throws too many things out of whack you don't want when you're trying to teach people the game you don't want it to be a super meta game because if you have especially if you have a mixture of experienced and inexperienced players that's where i feel like i see the most like people taking advantage of each other a little bit in games um which is i think why the rule book is like no promissory notes right like because you're just you're just you're not gonna get it yet you need to understand all the other economies to understand is this a good trade or not Right. And if you can't understand if it's a good trade or not, and an experienced player is trying to trade with you, then that's like almost game breaking, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Yin Brotherhood, I-, I think, would be an okay. I think it's close. It's actually. close, but the problem with Yin Brotherhood is what we outlined in the Yin Brotherhood episode, which is like at first glance, if you just try to do their abilities, every other faction, it's like I'm going to try to do my abilities as like kind of often as I can because it's going to benefit me a lot. If you try to do devotion. <laughs> Right. All the time. Yeah, like it might lead somebody to actually use that ability a lot. And that's the bad thing. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, cool, I'm the, you know, terrorist. And so I, I, for that reason, I I don't think that you're going to have a great time as the end. But they're close. They are, they're like right up there with sort of the Hakan Barony L1 situation. Uh, The Nalu Collective, I always want to put them up there, but I do think it is very confusing to grasp initiative order when the Nalu is in the game. And that's so important. Also, forcing a new player to always go first can really hinder your ability to to make good decisions. Um, It it can be a lot of pressure to always have to go first and not necessarily know like what you're going to be up against. Nalu is, I think, one of the more mysterious races, too, for new players as to like, I don't understand. Why is this good? Yeah. Like they can retreat and they go for like, you know, it's just it's not as easy to grasp. Right. You're you're not getting any obvious like they're slippery. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, for me, my top six for a first game are Hakan. Extra, L1Z1X, Isaril, Soul, and Jolnar. Mm-hmm. And mine is essentially the same thing, except I, sw- I swap out Barony for Hakan. Yeah. I think having two factions that are like, they build fleets, like the guys. fleets are pretty good, uh, That that's okay. Yeah. Um, I also just kind of like that that array yeah. of uh, It's a good factions. makeup. Two pretty fleet-heavy ones, two mm-hmm. pretty defensive ones, mm-hmm. and then these two sort of game-changers. Right. Asarl and Jolnar right. are sort of right. in there to throw things off the mix. 
That's all the errata we're going to do. That's all the errata. That, but that was a really big one we wanted to yeah. pick apart. Yeah, so, that was just so. like a fun little like extra topic, basically. Yeah. Thank you. Like a mini episode. FF Days. Uh, so uh, let's do the rundown. If this is where you normally skip, please don't this time. Hey, why don't you listen to the rundown? We have a lot of fun in the rundown. Because we have some stupid fun in the rundown. Fun in the rundown. Uh, if you go to the Twitter, you can find us at SpaceCatsPod. Uh, we post game, like live game pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also, you know, when we release new episodes, it's on Twitter. I'm trying to step up our Twitter game. We're pretty bad at Twitter, and I want to get better especially when we're at gen con we're gonna tweet a lot we're gonna tweet a lot at gen con mm-hmm. uh facebook you can go there for uh you can submit questions to us on facebook if you just need like if anything when you ask something on facebook it's gonna ping me on my phone and uh i often will get like rules questions on facebook like someone's in a game right now it's like hey mm-hmm. real quick i just need a, a you know someone to rule on this for me yeah and i've done that plenty of times so head over to space cats peace turtles on facebook for that uh, also on Reddit slash R slash Twilight Imperium. That's where we post every week's episode and you can engage in discussions uh, about the episodes and about strategy and everything like that. It's a really fun place and we love how supportive they have always been of our show. Uh, we've also got a Board Game Geek Guild. You can go there for discussion. We also have a calendar that we're going to start updating and hopefully it's going to be fairly consistent going forward. I always say that. It's never true. It's fine. Uh, like we said earlier, email us, spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. That's the best place to submit all the types of stories you just heard in this episode. This Imperium Life, also Plays of the Week. Send those to us there. It's the easiest place for us to organize them. It's also just kind of the best venue to get big, long chunks of text. So um, you can also do anything else on the email. Send us more questions. Throw ideas at us. If you want to do errata through email, that's fine. I don't care. I'll, I'll read it. I just but might lose it. it. Please, please, please label put it, it in the subject file. <laughs> yeah. be, be important. To, it's very important to have a good subject header because otherwise it's impossible for me to remember where mm-hmm. I ended up putting a post. Um, we also have a Patreon. On our Patreon, you can contribute to us. It helps us make this podcast better. We are a month away from Gen Con. It's insane. I am freaking out. I'm yeah. so excited. Uh, I can't wait to to meet all of you that are going to be there. I can't wait to see the people competing in the Gen Con tournament. We're going to party. We're going to party. Hey, hard. we're going to party. <laughs> Space cats party turtles. <laughs> Get ready to, for some late nights so that we can then wake up at like 6 a.m. to go we're to these ridiculous... Party. Uh, Blarknob really screwed us all over with these 8 a.m prelims yeah, how dare he how dare he i don't uh, get up at 8 a.m ever like ever <laughs> like i never have to i do, do constantly uh also join our discard for hunter discard, discard. our discord in our discard for, for you've f- made that mistake before every time said it like that uh yeah. that's where we have all kinds of crazy conversations uh it's also one of the best spots to get your patreon benefits uh we've got forums on there where the good yin brotherhood and um what else what's the other main one what are they called? I don't remember what we've They're, named things. What are they called? What are they called, though? The Goodyen Brotherhood and then... The Galactic Council. The Galactic Council. Yeah, that's where they hang out and yes. uh, discuss upcoming yes. episodes and whatnot. <laughs> uh, also, please, please give us a rating on whatever podcast app you're using, especially iTunes. Lots of, uh, lots of things happen through the iTunes review system. And so if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we get more visibility, the game gets more visibility, and we mm-hmm. all find more people to play Twilight Imperium it's with all because an of it. Ecosystem. It's all connected. It feeds each other. Hunter, what's happening tonight? 
Tonight, if you're listening to this right now, I need you to turn this off right now. Call Well, up. not yet, because you need to get the details that you're about to oh, get from yeah. you. In like 30 seconds, turn this off. Yeah, just turn this off. Um, so if you live in Portland tonight, I will be competing in the Helium Comedy Club Portland's Funniest Person Contest. My show starts at 10 o'clock p.m., which I will warn you, I mean, it's going to be a late night if you come out to support me, but I would love your support. If you call the venue ahead of time and tell them that I told you to call, they will give you tickets half off for $5. Uh, if you just end up deciding to show up at the door, it will be $10. Um, it's pretty big deal, this Portland's Funniest Contest. Uh, I have competed it in the past and done quite well. I'm excited about my chances this year, especially if I can make it through this prelims you round. Want, yeah, do you honestly. want to explain like, why it's so important for people to come to this show? Well, so this one, uh, the the preliminary round of the contest is, is an audience vote thing. After that, um, you go through a process of performing for an audience, but you're judged uh, based on people that like work for, there's this Portland uh, record label called Kill Rockstars and this radio station called X-Ray FM and they send people to judge. But this first round is audience vote. Basically just a popularity contest. It is a popularity contest. And let me tell you, let me go ahead and, and pre-tell you, some people kind of just pack it out. And, <laughs> and like it, it gets a little bit uh, squeamish. I will say uh, I do not I do not pack it out. You're I like I. But you can help us pack it out. Yeah, you could help us rig this. No, I that's say us. Not. Why did I say us? Because you're invested in it, and <laughs> the better I do, the better we do. I guess so. if I make it to the semis My and then I make it to the finals, to yeah, it is. Oh, it is. God. Well, I mean, you know, if I ever get in, in like your a paper bedroom, if I ever get in a paper, <laughs> then I'll be like Space Cats, Peace Turtles, and that'll be in print. You know what I'm saying? Wow, we'll be Which will print. help us. We'll be why in would a that newspaper. Why would Ooh, it? Why would the it rocketing help? world of newspaper? Why would it help us to be in a Portland newspaper? <laughs> a bunch of Portlanders opening up like, what's Twilight Imperium? Well, actually, you know what? They're <laughs> at least saying that. what? Yeah. I love it. Let's take out a newspaper ad for yeah. this podcast. Hey, I want to thank some Patreoners. Uh, I want to thank Patreonos. our- Patreonos. Patreonos. Space Pope effing dragon. I want to thank the commander. And I guess I have to thank Jada Paik. Uh, nah. Boo. Uh, boo. Um, and obviously- Mata Paik. Mata Paik. Mata Paik. Uh, obviously, we're not doing a play of the week this week because that's yeah, we what the entire episode that. is. Uh, but we did want to say at the very end here, um, since we're getting so close to the Gen Con tournament, uh, we wanted to start talking about our Patreon again in terms of what that's going to look like going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, we've constantly advertised the Patreon like it's for the Gen Con tournament. And like the whole point of us doing it is really to focus on that one thing. But obviously, we want to continue to use your support after the fact. And to do that, we sort of need to, to clean it up a little bit. Um, basically, we set some goals when we initially started it, but we had no idea what kind of reaction we would get. Mm -hmm. And we haven't necessarily held true to those goals. And some of the goals are not even things people even want. Right. They're just not consistent just, with where the show is. Right. Basically. So we would love your input on, if you are a contributing member of our Patreon, what sort of goals do you want to see us work towards? Uh, what, what, what? Things would you like to see happen in the show? Uh, and if you are not already contributing, but need something that could convince you to contribute, what would that look like? What what would incentivize you to want to support the show? What what helps you uh, join the bandwagon? Right. So please just give us that advice. We want to know. We've always tried to do this with your guys' help, with everyone's support and advice. 
and we just want to make the show what you want to listen to and what you want to see. So, you know, start start giving us advice. We want to know what it is you're looking to get out of your listening experience. Yeah. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? We'll talk about whatever you want. I'll talk about. We'll, we'll stop talking about Twilight Imperium if that's that, what you want. That would be so crazy if everybody was like, "We'll." We're really into Breaking Bad now, <laughs> and we just would love a retrospective look at Breaking Bad and how it compares to Better Call Saul. Hey, I could do it. Hey, I could do it easily. <laughs> I love. Oh my god, I love Better Call Saul. I'm gonna Saul. fade out right now. No, because you I can't, aren't. I can't you go aren't. down this tangent with you right that, here at minute. I don't know what is that? A hundred and hundred minutes. Better Call. Paul Tolls. What was that? It could be called Better, Better Call Paul Tolls. That's Turtles, but Paul. Paul Tolls. Paul, peace, Turtles, Paul Tolls. Paul Tolls. All right. Breaking Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>